After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place <clears throat> where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends of God, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose before them until it, before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Notice the strange idea here. The star rested. The star stopped where Jesus lay. The word here is used in the sense of ceasing movement, of standing still. The star did its job and then it rested. And we wonder what that means. What kind of star rests? Matthew says, and behold. And, and when you hear the word behold, it means like, hey, look at that. Notice this. This is, this is something really interesting. This is like amazing. Stop what you're doing and pay attention. Behold. Take notice. The, the star rose up, moved, then rested right over the place where the child was. In his magnificent study and commentary on the birth of Jesus, Raymond Brown points out that the picture of Magi, Magi from the east noticing a star and traveling to pay homage to a king and bring him royal gifts would not have struck Matthew's readers as anything naive or strange or romantic. Such things happened often in Greek culture, in Roman culture. 
Signs in the sky were often interpreted as heralds of the birth of great people. The Magi's arrival, their story about a star, and Herod's reaction would not be a surprise. This, this is the way life was back then. They, I mean, we think of it and we go, well, where's the telescope? They didn't have telescopes. They, they just saw things and, and they, you know, they, it was expected that an important person would have a star in the sky. But, but Raymond Brown also adds this. While the motif of a star leading people to a destination is known in an antiquity, the precision of leading to a house is unusual. And I love how understated that is. The precision is unusual. Yeah, it really is. This has been a puzzling element of the Christmas story for thousands of years. What kind of a star rises, moves, and then rests? What kind of a star acts with precision, such precision as to lead to a stall in Bethlehem? Behold, says Matthew, take notice. This star is different. This star is different than any other star you've ever seen. It moved, then it rested where Jesus lay. St. John of Chrysostom, in the late 4th century, wondered aloud in a sermon about how it's possible that a heavenly star could mark the place of such small dimensions as a home on the earth. For by reason of its immense height, it could not sufficiently distinguish so confined a spot and reveal it to those who were desiring to see it. How then, tell me, did the star point out a spot so confined, just the space of a manger and shed, unless it left that height and came down and stood over the very head of the young child? Already back then, thousands of years ago, they wondered about the precision of this star. How did it rest? And when you think about it, how could a star that's light years away possibly mark a specific location on the earth? If, if we look up in the night sky, we sometimes see a bright light, and we think, oh, okay, what, what is that bright light? And imagine if, if you were looking up into the western sky, and then you said, I'm going to follow that one, and you follow it, and you walk for 50 kilometers, and you look up again, and it, it's still just as far away. And if you walk 50 kilometers more, it's going to be just as far away. How could it possibly point the way to something as small as a house? Who's ever heard of such a star? Chrysostom concluded that the star could not have been a natural phenomenon, but that it was an, an angelic appearance or something like the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire in the Old Testament. And we are still baffled about what appeared in the sky. Since the times of Johannes Kepler in the 17th century, scientists have joined in the attempts to answer the question of the Bethlehem star. Careful attention has been paid to celestial phenomenon that they can trace back through the centuries and they can bring it back to the time of Jesus' birth. Was it a star at all, they ask? Or was it a comet, or an asteroid, or a supernova, or a convergence of, of planets? So far, there's not been a definitive answer. And I'm not counting on one either. 
I don't think we'll ever know what the star was and exactly how it acted with such precision. We don't know what, but we do know why, why it happened. We, we can know its purpose. We can know that this light in the sky was meant to lead important people to Jesus. I don't know if, I'm sure you've done this before with your kids or as a kid, your parents have done this with you. You played the game hot and cold. Your mom and dad decide to hide something in your house, like, like your birthday present or, or a Christmas present or, or some, some treat. And, and you have to find it. And then you walk around your house and your mom's saying, cold, cold, freezing. And, and you know that you're far away from that hiding place. So then you turn around and go the opposite way. And then, then your mom says, warmer, warmer, hot, hot, boiling. And then you open it up and you look closely. And there it is, your present. And it, it's fun to get clues Advice about how to find a nice thing. If, if you have to look all by yourself, I mean, you'd, you'd tear the whole place apart, and then you have to get frustrated and make a mess of everything, and, and then you have to clean it up. And it takes forever, and you might even give up. But when someone gives you hints about whether you're cold or, or hot, close or far away, it's so much better. Hot, cold is a good way to find something good. And the star was God's way of playing hot and cold with the wise men. On their own, they would never have found out about the birth of Jesus or known where to look. These wise men were distracted and misled, looking for God in all the wrong places. God sent them a sign and they followed it because God wanted these sinful pagan magicians to find Jesus. These stargazers were not Bible-believing, God-following members of the covenant. They were outsiders to the people of God. They had odd beliefs. They practiced divination of the heavens. They believed that the position of the sun and the moon and all the stars and the planets in the sky were, were an influence. They had an influence upon people and can could foretell future events and reveal secret knowledge. I mean, it, that hasn't gone away either. They believed in astrology. We look in our newspapers, there's the horoscope, and there's, you know, hey, today is gonna be a good day because Jupiter's aligned with Mars. I mean, do the planets aligning with each other affect us? They have paid attention to zodiac signs. And all these things were forbidden in the scriptures. In Leviticus, it was considered a detestable sin. But behold, God spoke to them. He didn't wait until they had given up their astrology and their magic and their, their odd beliefs. He reached down and invited these fearful, sinful astrologers to be the very first non-Jewish people to recognize Jesus as king. He speaks their language, the language of stars that rise and move and rest. And amazingly, they listen. They got it. It's like hot, hot, hot. And they, they went to Jerusalem, no, cold, cold. It, and then it went hot and boiling above, above, Jerusalem, or above Bethlehem. And they acted. And behold, 
The star rested over the place where Jesus lay. God is the God of revelation. In his grace, he speaks to the hardest heart, to the mind lost in the most anti-God thought, to the soul distracted by the sights that dazzle. And he speaks so precisely, go here to this house where this child is. I wonder what the Magi thought when they came across Jesus in an average home occupied by a poor family. He had no power, he had no prestige surrounding him. He wasn't the son of a king who ruled over a land. He wasn't the son of a general who in command of armies. He wasn't the son of a politician with influence. He wasn't the son of a rebel leader who sought a different kingdom. They found a poor, no-account baby in a poor, no-account family in a poor, no-account town. And still they bowed. Still they worshipped. And they gave their gifts to him because they found what God wanted them to find. They found the most unlikely of kings whose rule is eternal and whose realm is over all things. They found the one who would truly upset the kingdoms of the world, who staged an unstoppable revolution in human hearts. The star rested. Its work was done. We don't hear about that star again. But God still wants us to find Jesus. He still wants us to see a revelation of the light into this world. And maybe you've come looking. Maybe you are here because you, well, maybe you've known about this light for a long time, but maybe you need to see it in a fresh way. Maybe you're here looking for Jesus to shine in the dark places of your life, giving you a life you've always wanted. Maybe you're open to something new, something you've never considered before. Maybe you're the most unlikely of people to do that, and yet, you feel drawn. Maybe you're kicking and screaming against it, and yet you're strangely drawn to this person, Jesus. And, and now it's not a star that shines, but it's Jesus who shines as a light today, saying, come to me. He illumines our hearts and shines a light into the, our darkness and draws us to himself, and he still comes he calls us, come, come and see. Come down, bow down and worship. Come, follow me. Come walk in this light and find something new and life-giving, no matter where you come from. Jesus calls us to follow him as the light. And, and not only that, he calls us to be his light. When he calls us to live as children of God, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And later on in the Bible, we'll see this call again. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. As we follow Jesus and allow his gospel to change us, we will shine and fulfill God's purpose in us. 
And I get to see that all the time as I see people being community to each other, just acting like the light, just seeing a need and, and helping, seeing a person who's, who's in need of an arm around the shoulder or, or a word or just a question, how are you? I get to see how the deacons help with people with real needs in real time, and they shine. Leslie Newbegin was a lifelong missionary to India who came back to the UK only to find that the churches were fading and that he had to be a missionary to his home country. And he wondered how secular, hardened people could come to faith in Jesus. And he said this, how is it possible that the gospel should be credible, that people should come to believe that the power which has the last word in human affairs is represented by a man hanging on a cross? And this is his answer. He says, I'm suggesting that the only answer, the only hermeneutic of the gospel, is a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. The only way to interpret the gospel, the only way to see the light of Jesus is a congregation of men and women and children who believe it and live by it. That's how the light spreads. When you and I show how Jesus gives us peace and rest our souls in him and then live a life of, of peace and live a life of joy and live a life of service, then we shine a light in the darkness. The church is that important. The book of Matthew begins with foreigners from a distant land coming to worship Christ. It ends with a call to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everything in the middle tells us that he is the Savior of the world, sent from God to free us from our sins. So when you sing about a star over Bethlehem, or when you see a star at Christmas on a tree or a light display, or or when you think about how those wise men came so precisely to come to Jesus, we thank God for his revelation to the world. The star rested and its work was done. And we think about our calling. We think about how God is calling us to shine as we follow Jesus and who God is asking you to share his story with through your actions, through your words this year. The light has come into the world. Let the church and the whole creation proclaim it. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, you shone in this world in that precise, beautiful way to those people who were in darkness. Lord, shine now through us, through our faith, through our actions into that same world. Help us to be the congregation you call us to be and followers that you want us to be as followers of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.